If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, Christ making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anne. Well, as has been mentioned, uh, Gab said it already, we, are, uh, we find ourselves in this kind of gap between sermon series. Uh, so we finished off 1 Timothy a couple of weeks ago. Advent uh, is a couple of weeks away. And so um, we have this kind of unique time where we hadn't anything planned, but it feels like a bit of a gift from God. Um, a gift because it gives us the opportunity to think about something, uh, to talk about something that feels appropriate, that feels timely for us as a church right now. Um, John, as he said, is going to be speaking next week on prayer as we kind of close out our year of prayer. Not that we finish praying, but this kind of closes the the focus that we've had on this year in prayer um, and hopefully sets us uh, to being a praying people for the rest of our lives here on earth. But um, this week, uh, as Christmas approaches, I just thought it might be a good time for us to think again about mission as a church, uh, because for whatever reason, Christmas just feels one of those times and seasons when uh, there are more opportunities for us to be missional uh, as a church. Uh, we've things to invite people in our lives along to, like carol services. Uh, we've things that people f- feel or seem more open to coming along to. Um, there are things that we're throwing as well, like parties. Um, that we can invite people along to. There are parties that we're going to as well in church, or sorry, not in church, in work, um, and with our families and with friends. And so Christmas, it it just feels like a kind of unique time uh, in the calendar where there are opportunities to be missional and there are opportunities for us to to speak to people about the hope that we have in in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to to just help us think a bit more uh, intentionally about how we do that. Uh, how we can actually share the good news of Jesus Christ with uh, people in our lives who don't yet believe in him, people that we work with maybe, family, friends, neighbors. How do we do that in a way that's faithful to Jesus, but in a way that's that's natural, uh, in a way that actually connects with people uh, and their lives? I read this book recently. It's a great book. What are we referring to? bits and pieces this morning. It's by a guy called Sam Chan, and it's called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. And I really love that title because that's what I want. That's maybe what you want as well. Um, Most of us want to share our faith with others. Uh, Many of us, I'm sure, will want to be able to do that with others in our lives as well. But how we do that is often the difficult bit. How do we do it in a way that's not overbearing? Or 
that doesn't feel clunky or weird? How do we do about being that guy or that? That's what we're going to think about. Not so much the why of evangelism. We've, we've preached on that before. I'll touch on that a little bit. But, but we're thinking more about the how-to of evangelism. Practical kind of ways of actually speaking to people about Jesus. And I'd love you to listen this morning, if you're a Christian, with, with people in mind. Um, people that you know. People that you love. People that you would love to come to know Jesus themselves. I want you to have this kind of picture in mind. It's a, it's a helpful picture. Um, it, it's one that I often kind of share with people whenever I am talking about evangelism. I want you to imagine that, that this, this point uh, is uh, the place where you come to know Jesus Christ. It's on that kind of a spectrum. So there's a line out this way and there's a line this way. So this is the point where you see the cross, you understand your need of Jesus, you come to faith in Jesus Christ. This side of the line, I want you to imagine this side as being uh, the journey towards Jesus Christ, the journey towards the cross. All of us in this room have been on this side before. Some of us in the room might be on this side right now where we are journeying towards Jesus Christ. Maybe some of us are really far in that sense over here because we're just disinterested or really don't see the relevance of Jesus in our lives. Maybe you know people in your life who are like that, who are kind of over here. There may be barriers and blockages that there are in the way to actually coming towards Jesus Christ. Um, and as Christians, what we're doing is we're trying to think this morning about how we can help in God's power, by God's grace, to help nudge people towards Jesus Christ, to bring Jesus Christ and the cross into view in their lives so that they, by God's grace and the work that God does in our lives, so that they come to trust Jesus for themselves. And then they start on this journey on the other side, where maybe most of us in this room are, where we're journeying Jesus in life, looking back at the cross, always living in light of the gospel, but journeying towards Jesus, towards the, the hope of glory that we have in him. I want you to think about people in your lives. And maybe you're someone who's here this morning and you're, you're not yet trusting in Jesus. Um, I don't want any of this to feel weird for you in that way because um, maybe it feels like what some of the things I'm going to talk about, it feels like I'm, I'm talking about you and that's weird. But actually, what I want you to see this morning is why evangelism, why speaking about Jesus is so important for us. Why it's so important for us as individual believers, but for us as a church, because we believe this point of coming to know Jesus Christ, when we journey towards him and we get to hear, this is where our lives change forever. This is really where we understand what life is all about, the way life was meant to be lived in relationship with God. So, as I uh, get going here, I want to say something else that's really important um, because evangelism is definitely not just a practical thing. It's not uh, like we can do these practical things, these practical steps, uh, and we put this in and this is what we get out. Evangelism is not like that. Speaking of Jesus is not like that. It's a deeply spiritual thing. Yes, we have this role to play. Yes, we want to be intentional in, in doing what we can and living for Jesus and speaking of Jesus to others, but we must remember that this is a work of God. It is his work in us 
and it is his work through us. And it's his work in other people as he draws them to And that's something that underpins everything that we will talk about this morning. Because if you're like me, then you know that, that speaking of Jesus isn't easy. There are times that people about doing it, anxious about doing it maybe. Um, if you arms and that singing feeling in your stomach whenever the opportunity arises, well, you're in good company because that's how, exactly how I feel. Do you know the Apostle Paul, uh, when he thinks about his time in Corinth, that's how he felt as well. And when we think about this stuff, it can be easy to feel a sense of guilt as Christians, a sense of disappointment in ourselves because we wish we were doing this more or we wish that we were doing this better. And that's why we need to remember the gospel as we did at the start. We need to remember that we are not reconciled to God through anything that we have done or not done through the conversations that we have had or haven't had. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. This is all God's work, all his initiative, the work that he has done in us. And Paul says it's also the work that he will do through us. God graciously does the work to draw people to himself through our faithful witness. He has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And as we go and as we live for Jesus Christ, empowered by God's Spirit and changed by His Spirit, amazingly, God makes His appeal to others through us. He's drawn people to Himself through us. So we can be confident in Him. We can trust in Him. We can find our strength for this in Him. And we can do our part in speaking faithfully of him, but trust him with the result of that. And foundational to all this and what we're going to talk about this morning is prayer. Prayer underpins it all because that's what shows that, that we believe this is God's work and not ours, that we believe that he is in charge and not us. We pray and we ask for God's help and we trust in the power of his spirit. And so knowing that, I'm going to pray and then we're going to start to think about a few practical kind of ways that we can begin to share our faith uh, in Jesus with other people. So let me pray. Um, Lord God, we thank you for the gospel. Thank you for uh, what you have done, Lord, in bringing us from death to life uh, and giving us the hope of glory in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we'll see today that... Uh, the way to go about living our lives for you and speaking of you in this world is to uh, live in light of the gospel, to uh, live in light of the love that you've shown to us and the love that you have for us now, Lord. Knowing that uh, your love doesn't change based on what we do or the conversation. That you love us today in Jesus Christ as much as you will love us. Uh, when we uh, stand before you in glory in him. And Lord, I pray that, that it will be helpful for us today just thinking of, of how we actually speak to people about Jesus, how we do that in a natural, normal way that um, helps them to see the hope of, of Jesus Christ and to put their trust in him. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So consider our, our uh, speaking of Jesus and evangelism under three strands ways that we can do it. Um, 
gospel invitation. And gospel. Talk about each one biblically, and then, and then I'm going to talk about them practically so that we can uh, take these things away, we can pray about them, uh, and we can hopefully put them into practice. Help nudge people towards Jesus Christ. Do I need that other mic? Maybe dipping in and out, yes. Firstly, um, let's think about gospel invitation. Um, so where do we see this kind of evangelism, gospel invitation in, in the Bible? Well, in John chapter 1, we get these instances where Jesus is calling his first disciples, and he's inviting them to come and to follow him. And what we see is that when people find Jesus, when they come to faith in Jesus at this point, as they journey with Jesus, then they then become finders of others. The found become finders. Uh, listen to what happens in John chapter 1 uh, as I read from verse 43. Listen to the flow of this. So it's on the screen. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, and I love this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Nathanael is over here somewhere, and he isn't convinced that Jesus Christ is worth his time, uh, is worth kind of having a look into. Uh, and maybe you've encountered people like that in your life. Uh, you try to speak to them about Jesus, uh, but they just don't seem interested. Uh, they don't think that, that Jesus has any kind of relevance to their, lives, uh, their life. They, they don't necessarily think badly of him, but they just don't think much about him at all. And I love Philip's response to Nathaniel. It's so simple, but, but yet so brilliant, because it's a wee phrase that we see repeated time and time again in John's gospel. He says to Nathaniel, come and see, come and see. And he brings him to Jesus. And after chatting with Jesus, Nathaniel realizes who he is. And if you look at verse 49, he says, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And he starts following him. This is the moment, this moment here, where Philip actually comes to faith and trusting in Jesus. And it's not just here in John 1 that we see this kind of gospel invitation. Turn over with me to John chapter 4, if you have your Bible. It's a familiar story. Um, it's, it's one where Jesus meets a, a woman at a well in Samaria. And for so many reasons, she is someone that Jesus Christ shouldn't be talking to. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. She's an outcast. She's shunned by her own people because of her sinful past and present. So the question is, why would Jesus, a Jewish man, why would he speak to a Samaritan woman like this? But to her surprise and to the surprise of his disciples later on, he does speak to her. And after a back and forth that they have, which all centers around water and being thirsty, Jesus shows her that he is the one who offers living water, which can satisfy her thirst forever. He is the one that she really needs in life. And She's the one, or she, she realizes then that, that Jesus is the one who has made worshiping God possible, even for a Samaritan woman, an outcast like her. And she believes who Jesus is. And what does she do after she believes in Jesus? Well, she isn't thirsty anymore. She leaves her water jar at the well. She runs back to her town, to the people who'd shunned her before, to the people she was doing everything that she could to avoid. She runs to those people 
And she says to them, come and see Jesus, a man who told me everything I ever did. Yet he still loves me. And she says, verse 29, to the people, can this be the Christ? Can this be the one that we've been waiting for? Come and see. There is such power and such potential in those three words. Nathaniel's life was transformed forever because he came and he saw Jesus Christ for himself. In, in verse 39 of John chapter 4, we read this. Many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Because she invited them to come and see Jesus for themselves. It's amazing. And the woman shows us something. That this kind of gospel invitation is for everyone. For all of us in this room. Because this woman's been a Christian for five minutes. She's not attended any seminars in evangelism. She's never even been to a church service before in her life. She's not theologically all there. But yet she knows enough about Jesus to invite others to come and see him. Her world has been turned upside down through meeting him. And she wants others to come and meet him too. Now let's think practically about this for ourselves for a moment. What might it look like for us to invite people in our lives to come and see Jesus? What does this kind of gospel invitation look like for you? Well, two things came to my mind when I thought about this. I think we can invite people to come and see Jesus in community, so among us. And I think we can invite people to come and see Jesus in his word alongside us. So think about the, the first one there, the invitation to come and see Jesus in community. Because as we live out the gospel together as God's family in community, as we care for one another, as we serve one another, as we bear one another's burdens, as we rejoice together, as we mourn together, as we eat together, as we have fun together, in the formal ways we do life together and in the informal, in the small settings and in the big, as missional communities and as twos and threes, as we do all of that, and as we intentionally invite others in our lives to, to come into that, as we merge our believing world with our unbelieving world, then people will come and see the beauty of the gospel and community. They will come and see something of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ among us. I was thinking about how uh, this is true and a kind of example of this in our church. Um, but our, our talks group that happens on a, on a Friday here, um, I would say it's probably one of the most encouraging things for me as a pastor that's, that I see happening in our church right now. Because within it, I see uh, a group of, of people in our church who've really understood that, that this just isn't a talks group. That's when you invite someone to come along to that, it's not just that they're coming along with their, their little ones to have an hour and a half of kind of being looked after or being kind of able to talk to other people, having a tea and coffee, their, their little ones having snacks. It's not just that. It's so much more than that. There's an, an opportunity for people to come in and to see Jesus among us as we talk together, as we interact with them. And uh, one of the things that, that happened recently was um, there was a, a, one of the mums in the group. Um, she met another mum out at a park uh, with her little one. Uh, and 
they got chatting, and she invited her to come along on Friday morning. Um, and she didn't come for a few weeks, but she came then a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was very normal. There was there was nothing out of the ordinary on that day. It wasn't like we were we were you know doing anything special on that day because this woman had come. No, uh, it was just a normal Friday. Uh, but when she was leaving, this is what she said. She said that the talk script was like a warm hug. It was like you know the welcome uh, and the time that she had with other people. She hadn't experienced something like that. She didn't know many other people in Belfast. She only moved from London recently. Uh, and when you see uh, a TOTS group as just a TOTS group, well, then there's no intentionality in that. But when you see it as an opportunity for people to come and see Jesus Christ in community, oh, there's so much power and potential in that, in those relationships with people. And secondly, let's think about the invitation to, to come and see Jesus in his word alongside us. You see this, the, the power of gospel proclamation, of God's word preached, of the truth of the gospel explained. You see that right throughout uh, God's word, especially in the book of Acts, which is why, at least on some level, we should never neglect inviting people to come and see Jesus here on a Sunday morning in our gatherings or, or to, to come along to a carol service. It's why we believe things like Hope Explored that we'll do in January uh, is just a, a really helpful tool for clearly explaining the gospel to people and for them seeing Jesus. But did you notice uh, I said inviting people to come and see Jesus in his word alongside us? Because I think relationship is really important in all this. Relationships really matter. There's an easy trap to fall into as a church with this kind of gospel invitation, where we think we, we just put something on as a church, we open our doors and people will come. And I'm not disputing that it can happen, but I think in our culture there are less and less people who will take up that invitation to come and see Jesus without having that trusted person alongside them. Someone they know who really cares about them. Someone they know sees them not as a project, but as a person. I think relationship really matters in this come and see peace. And, and trust is massive, uh, the massive reason why people actually uh, might come along to the things that we invite them to. So practically, who do you have in your life right now who you might be able to, come, uh, to, to invite to come and see Jesus? What do you have in your life right now where they might be able to come and see Jesus? Let's pray and let's ask God to lead us towards others in love. Let's pray and let's ask him to give us opportunities to invite others to come and see Jesus, whether that's among us or whether that's alongside us in his word. And let's pray and ask him to make us bold in actually taking those opportunities. So gospel invitation. Secondly, I want to talk about gospel conversation. So much of the, the evangelism that, that we will do is through the relationships that we have with other people, with people we've been journeying with through life, the people we're regularly around in the, the ordinary, everyday places in life, whether that's family and friends, the people we rub shoulders with in work, the people we live on the same street as, or in our sports club or team, whatever it is. And with people like that, even though we maybe want to, it can often be really difficult to know how to, to broach those conversations about faith and about Jesus Christ. Often we, we tend to kind of wait for the moment for that to happen. Um, we wait for them to ask us a question, and then we think, you know, we'll seize that moment. We'll say everything we ever hoped we would. Um, but actually, a lot of the time, we feel deflated, maybe, 
because the opportunity never arises, they never ask us, or when the opportunity does come, we fluff our lines or we, we just don't say all that we wanted to say. The desire is there to talk about Jesus, but how do we actually do it? Without it feeling like the most awkward, clunky gear change from first to fifth, how do we do it? Well, you know, if you look throughout the Gospels, one of the things that Jesus Christ does most to introduce the gospel into conversations is through asking a question. He asks intentional questions and he listens to the way people respond. If you look back at, at John 1, what's the first thing that Jesus Christ is recorded as saying in, in the gospel of John? It's not a statement. It's actually a question. Verse 38 of John 1, what are you seeking? What a good question that is. What are you looking for in life? John 4, how does Jesus initiate the conversation with a Samaritan woman? He asks a question, will you give me a drink? Amazingly, in the Gospels alone, Jesus asks over 300 questions. Here's a few of them. Who do people say that I am? Why do you call me good? Which one was a good neighbor? Why are you so afraid? What do you want me to do for you? That's just a, a random sampling, but Jesus was masterful at pulling people into conversation through asking good questions, getting them thinking and talking about the gospel. He uses questions to move towards people, and he uses questions to move people towards himself. Think of it like a, a travelator, you know, um, at the, the airport, if you've been in one of those, where you step on it and it kind of pulls you to one end. You're not moving, but it pulls you. That's kind of what Jesus does with questions. He, he uses questions to move towards people, and he uses questions to move people towards himself. So I think there's already something that we can apply here. How we get better at sharing our faith with others is through asking questions and engaging in conversations where we listen to how they respond. Think for a second about the people who make you feel most loved and cared for and, and seen and heard in life. The chances are one of the key things that they do, amongst other things, is that they ask good questions. They really listen. They're genuinely interested in what you think and how you feel. And I think gospel conversation takes on a completely different complexion when Christians assume the role of listener first. I think it changes people's openness in conversation, their openness to sharing what's really going on in their lives, what's really going on in their heart. It changes their openness maybe even to put it back to us, to ask us what we think, and, and to listen even to us. Now, if this, tell, if this feels like I'm telling you something that you already know, or it seems like the most basic and simple thing ever, well, it is. It is. But, but you know, it's been one of the most transformational things for me in my life and thinking about how I actually engage with people in conversations about Jesus. Here's a few questions which might help lead to deeper conversations with people in your life. They're not perfect questions. Uh, you can definitely take them away, tweak them, change them completely, do whatever you want with them. But these are some good, helpful questions, I think. What's your spiritual background? Has church ever been a part of your life? Do you ever think about spiritual things? Or has there ever been a time in your life when you've thought about God? Or remember the question that we talked about whenever I was preaching on, on Luke's gospel? Um, remember the question I asked to my hairdresser? What would you 
Uh, who would you say Jesus is? Real person? Do you feel like he has any relevance to your life? Or maybe you're, you're able to take a, a bit of a step further. There's someone who's a bit closer, I suppose, in seeing Jesus Christ uh, and coming to him. Uh, and the conversations are deeper with them. You might ask them something like this. What's your impression of what Christians believe? What do you think it means to be a Christian? You can see how these types of questions, these conversation starters, they're probably not ones that you're going to ask uh, at the school gate as you're leaving your kids off or, or over the, the fence as your neighbor's pulling their bins out in the evening. They're, gonna, they're not kind of fleeting conversation starters uh, or conversation questions. They're deeper conversation starters. Uh, and so this is where Sam Chan in this book, he, he talks about um, really thinking intentionally about the setting which uh, you might try and have these kind of conversations in. Um, he, he talks about how kind of uh, moving conversations from uh, workplace, like kind of around the, the, the uh, he talks about because he's American, he talks about the water cooler, you know what, in the coffee room, that kind of thing. He talks about moving from that to maybe a coffee or a drink to then moving to in the home, in our home and having these conversations there. I was thinking about maybe uh, places that we might do that are, are like ha going for a walk with someone regularly. Um, taking the, the, the social conversations that we have in work to a social setting, like out for a coffee or, or out for a drink. Opening up our home to people and, and having a meal with them around the table, having conversation there. Those places are, are places that naturally are, are deeper conversation places. And getting to, to the place with people of being able to actually have these kind of gospel conversations, it takes intentionality. It takes being present with people. It takes moving towards people like what we see of Jesus Christ throughout the gospels. It also takes having margin in your life, having the time and the space in your week to be able to do this. And it requires so much patience and grace, which is why, again, all of this must be soaked in prayer all that we do here, because in our own strength and in our own capacity, we'll not be able to do this. We get frustrated, we'll easily give up, but strengthened by Christ, empowered by His Spirit, we can do this. We can persevere and press on. We can keep loving and serving people when maybe we don't get anything in return for that. Gospel invitation, gospel conversation, and thirdly, let's look at gospel explanation. Because we want to actually be able to speak to people uh, about Jesus Christ, don't we? When the conversations do go to deeper places, we want to, to know what we can say about Jesus, which, which points to him, uh, so that they actually hear about him and the good news about him. And like I said at the start, I think to be able to, to share the gospel with others, we need to know the gospel ourselves. Because when we know the gospel and we know the people who we are speaking to, we can prayerfully bring the gospel to bear on their lives. We can explain things in a way that actually makes sense to them. We see this with, with Jesus throughout the gospels. Uh, he doesn't just have this pre-packaged gospel talk that he, he delivers in the same way to every single person that he speaks to. No, there are core gospel truths that he wants people to know that he wants to put across to people, but he shares those truths in a way that's specific to the lives and the longings and the felt needs of the people he's speaking to. Think of the, the woman at the well in John 4. She is longing to be satisfied in life, but she's looking for that satisfaction in all the wrong places. 
And Jesus helps her through the conversation that they have, which centers around water and thirst. He, he shows her that, that what she is really thirsty for is relationship with God, and that He is the one who has come to make that possible. He is who she needs if she is to find that deep soul satisfaction in life that she's after. Or think of the situation in John 11 at Lazarus' tomb. The people in that moment, they are feeling the sense of hopelessness and powerlessness in the face of death. Lazarus has just died, and humanly speaking, there is absolutely nothing anyone can do. But Jesus comes in, and he declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus doesn't ignore the felt needs that people have in life. He actually meets people in those needs. He understands the people he is talking to, but he shows them how he is their greatest need. They need him if they are to be satisfied in life. They need him if they are to be saved from death. So what are the core truths that are always part of Jesus' gospel explanation? Well, there are loads of ways that you could put this. Um, there's lots of, of different things that you could find on the internet or whatever in books um, of, of how to explain the gospel to people. Um, but I, I found one that's quite helpful um, by a guy called Rico Tice. He's written a book, this one here, called Honest Evangelism. It's a really good book uh, as well. Uh, and he says that there are kind of three broad areas that Jesus tends to cover when talking to different people. Um, three areas that he can bring to bear in all those different felt needs that people have. He says this, that, that Jesus always talks to people about who he really is, so his identity. He, he always wants people to know about why he's come, his mission. Uh, and he always wants people to know what it means to follow him. He wants them to hear his calling on their life. So identity, mission, and calling. And these are the, the, the kind of three things that I suppose if, if you were to say to yourself, what is the very least that I would want people to know? These are the three things that we would want people to know. Who Jesus is, his identity, his mission, why he's come, and what it means to follow him. So who is Jesus? Well, if you read through John's gospel, you see that he's the eternal son of God. He's the incarnate Lord. He's the savior and king of this world. He's God who stepped into our world in human flesh. He's unlike anyone who's ever lived because he has the power to heal, to forgive sins, to raise the dead, to redeem broken lives and to redeem this broken world. He came to this world over 2,000 years ago as a baby and he promises that one day he will return to this world as judge and king forever. Why did he come? What was his mission? Well, in his great love, he came for us to save us, to reconcile us to God, to restore us to the life that we were created for. Because what we've all done is we've rejected God as our loving creator. We've turned away from him, kicked him off the rightful throne in our lives. And we've tried to find life without God rather than life with God. And the Bible says that's the essence of sin. And for that, for our sin, we deserve God's judgment. We deserve death. 
But Jesus, even though he is the only person who's ever lived a perfect, sinless life, he comes in and he takes the punishment we deserve for our sin. He died on the cross in our place, taking our guilt before God on himself, meaning that we can be forgiven, meaning that we can be reconciled to God again forever. And what does it mean to follow him? What does Jesus call us to do? Well, really simply, it's repent and believe. And what does repent mean? Well, it means to turn from sin, to turn from the way that we are going towards God. It means saying that I believe that life is meant to be lived with God, not without him. And I believe that the way for me to experience that life and to take hold of that life is through trusting in Jesus Christ, through believing who he is, through trusting that what he has done was done for me. That, at the most foundational level, is what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're someone who's here this morning and, and you are someone who is maybe over here, well, it would really be remiss of me not to invite you right now to, to trust in Jesus, to repent, to turn from your sin and towards God, to trust that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, that he came to this world for you, to save you, and to give you life. For us as Christians here this morning, I want to point you to this. I know I've given you a lot of resources and things to think about, but this is the last one I want to point you to. Um, this is a little book that's out on the coffee table, um, so you can maybe have a look at, it as, uh, look at it as you leave today. It's a little booklet called um, A Better Life, uh, and it's a resource, a tool, which helps us to talk about Jesus with other people. It helps us to talk about his identity, his mission, and his calling. Four little studies in this book uh, that are really familiar passages in John's gospel, um, and they really do help us to see the life that Jesus Christ offers to us, how it is they offer a better life. Um, you get a passage on one side, which is shown there on the left-hand side of the screen, and then you get three short questions on the other. And the first study is on, on John 1. Um, and they're kind of prompter questions. They're questions that you could ask to someone and, and they, you could talk about together for five minutes or for 50 minutes. They're questions that really are, are opening out conversation into deeper things to, for you to take conversations further and to different places. You don't need to be trained to use this. Uh, you just need to be open to having these kind of conversations with people. Uh, and, you know, resources like this they're really just ways of um, us being intentional in having these conversations with people. Um, maybe you feel like you're not quite there with people yet, um, but maybe you do. Uh, if you are someone who is thinking, you know, there's someone in my life that I could ask, would you be interested in finding out what I believe about Jesus Christ, who he really is? This might be something that's useful to you and helpful in doing that. They're sitting out in the coffee table out there. Take two with you, one for yourself and one for the other person. Um, and pray. Pray and ask God to open a door for you to ask, uh, and pray that this would be something that he uses to draw that person to himself. So as we finish, my hope this morning is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that you leave asking yourself that question, how can I, being led and empowered by God's Spirit, how can I, I actually help draw people in my life towards Jesus Christ and towards discovering the gift of life in him? whether that's through gospel invitation, 
gospel conversation or gospel explanation. Hopefully there's something for all of us in this room to think about, to pray about, and to put into practice maybe in our own lives. Because the truth is, God is able to use our seemingly insignificant and inconsequential efforts in mission and evangelism to do incredible things in his kingdom. And we know this because we see this throughout his word, the evidence of this, but we also see the evidence of this in our lives as a church. There are people in this room this morning whose lives have been transformed through meeting Jesus Christ because someone invited them to come along on a Sunday morning to hear about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. There are people in this room who, who came along to a Hope Explored class, uh, and through that, they were able to ask some of the questions that they'd never been able to ask before. They felt comfortable to do that, to talk at that kind of level with those people. There are people in this room who someone has read the Bible with uh, and helped them answer the question of, of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. God has used those things in his perfect timing to draw people to himself, to reveal his grace and his goodness to them and to bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Those things, they mean nothing if God is not at work. But he is at work. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5. God really is reconciling people to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's entrusted this me a message of reconciliation to us, to his people, in this time, in this place. So what will we do with it? Who will we look to pass the good news of the gospel on to in our lives right now? Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us and lead us into communion. Lord God, we thank you uh, for the work that you're doing, Lord, uh, that you're a God who saves, uh, that you're a God who brings people from death to life. We thank you that, uh, God, you're so gracious in doing that. You've done it in, in the lives of so many people in this room. You've done it in my life, Lord. We want to praise you for that. We want to thank you for um, just your goodness, Lord. We're so undeserving, but yet you loved us uh, and you sent your son Jesus for us. Lord, I pray that um, what would fuel us and send us out of here this morning would be just knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, it being something that is real to us, um, something that, um, Lord, we just, uh, we feel compelled to go and tell others because we know the love that you have for us and the love that you have for others in our lives. Lord, help us to, to know how to do that, how to speak of you faithfully, clearly, but how to do it in a way, Lord, that, that just trusts you, um, that, that knows that you can take even the weakest uh, and the most insignificant things that we say and that we do, and you can turn them into incredible things for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who has not yet trusted in him, that even this morning, um, as they think about those three simple things of who Jesus is, his identity, his mission, and his call, and that they would hear his call, and that they would come to save in faith in him, that they would trust him for life. Lord, we know that you're powerful enough to do it. 
And so, Lord, we ask you to do it. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name.